Welcome to Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. In today's program, we are studying the book of 2 Chronicles, chapter 4. Here's Pastor Ryan. Head, and so the idea of him not having any part with the Lord, he says, well, it's not just my feet, just, you know, bathe all of them, you know, which is kind of like, you know, okay. Hey, Lord, wash all of me, you know, get more water, wash more of me. It's just the idea. And um, Jesus said to him, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. Right? He who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you, for he knew who would betray him. Therefore he said, you are not all clean. And so he who is, is bathed, it's almost, you know, they, they, in his eyes they were right. They were clean because of the scripture that I shared with you prior where he said, you are clean because of the word that I have spoken. They have accepted his word, so they are made clean. But it's nighttime, it's dinner time, it's a long day. You know, we, I, I love wearing sandals, and the longer the day, the longer I'm up, the earlier I'm up, and the longer I stay awake, man, you, at the end of the day, we all feel pretty grimy and tired, and, and you know, like a Wednesday night maybe you know but it's we're tired you know it's the end of the day it's 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 our 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 bodies are telling us it's to get ready soon for bed and stuff and so we're tired and throughout the day um we don't just get tired physically we get tired spiritually and I think that the 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 tireder we become the harder it is to 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 um really defend against the flesh, defend against the, the world, and defend against the enemy. There has to be time of cleansing and resting in the Lord and allowing Jesus to wash your feet and mine. And this is an everyday thing in the Christian life. And we have to learn to be experts of examining ourselves, you know, testing where we're at daily, and when we need to take a break and just say, Lord, wash me. And he does that really through, through his word. You know, Jesus, as, as we, we all know, is the word made flesh. That's what the Bible says about Jesus, that he is uh, the word made flesh. And as him, and as him being the word uh, made flesh, it is through the word that that he, he cleanses us. And those are the scriptures that I mentioned. I mentioned all of them. The, the husband washing the wife with the word. A young man keeping his ways clean by the word of God. Um, it's his word that does miracles. And it's also the work of his Holy Spirit that does miracles when we rest in the Lord. And so test yourself. You know you. Ask God to show you how to minister in the Lord to yourself. Does that make sense? Where you're sitting there and letting the Lord wash your feet, so to say. 
to get, he'll get rid of all the grime of the day. He'll get rid of all of the lies that the enemy in the flesh and the world throw at you. All the madness that's going on in the world. When we sit at the feet of Jesus, he just comes. We open up our Bible, we rest, and we get the word of God. And um, so, yeah, you know, I know it when, you know, when I'm lacking peace. I know it when I'm tired. I know it when... Um, I'm lacking hope. I know it when I'm lacking faith. I know that I need, a, I need my feet to be washed. It's been a long day. And you know, I'm shocked at how many times I've gone to bed with little hope and woke up the next morning with great hope. You know, it's just, it's just at the end of our days, every day, it's closing time. It's, it's, it's time to um, go to sleep eventually. And, and save it for tomorrow, get strengthened for tomorrow. Does that make sense? I'm looking for my notes. I don't know what I may have missed it, but by memory, um, when Jesus was about to go to the cross and he was going to go resurrect Lazarus, remember, he told the disciples, um, let's go to Judea. And, and they said to him, you know, the, the Jews have been wanting to kill you there and you're going to go back there? And he basically said to them that, you know, there are 12 hours in a day and, um, um, you know, that is the time to work while you have the brightness of the sun, basically, but at nighttime, no one can work. In other words, he was letting them know that he's the light of the world, that if he says they're going to Judea, they're going to be fine. And so, um, so anyways, you guys are... are are gracious and kind. So, anyways, um, all right, let's go back to our text. All right, and so, um, verse 3, and under it was the likeness of oxen encircling it all around, ten to a cubit all the way around the sea. The oxen were cast into two rows when it was cast, and it stood on twelve oxen, three looking toward the north, three looking toward the west, three looking toward the south, and three looking toward the east. And the sea was set upon them, and all of their back parts pointed inward. And it was a handbreadth thick, and its brim was, the, was shaped like the brim of a cup, like a lily blossom. Uh, it contained 3,000 baths. And so it, it looked like a cup. It looked like the brim of a cup or a big bathtub. But what I would have loved to see is how those oxen looked, right? There's 12 oxen that were, um, you know, shaped within the bronze sea uh, for the 12 tribes of Israel. And so three were facing in each direction and it just must have looked, they must have looked massive and strong and just really the strength of Israel. And so that's, that's what uh, the sea bath uh, uh, was, was, was. And then in verse 6 we read, He also made ten lavers and put five on the right side and five on the left to wash in them such things as they offered for the burnt offering. Uh, they would wash in them, but the sea was for the priests to wash in. And so they had five lavers on each side, and that's really from, for the rinsing of the offerings, uh, the animal sacrifices. It wasn't for them to cleanse themselves, it was them... It was for them to prepare uh, the offerings. And so the sea was for them to cleanse themselves. 
and uh, and uh, he made one hundred. Oh, let me see. And this, and he made ten lambs. Oh, going way ahead. Sorry, guys. Uh, yeah. So five lavers on the right, five on the left, to wash in them such things as they offered for the burnt offering. They would wash in them, but the sea was for the priests to wash in. And he made ten lampstands of gold, lampstands of gold, according to their design, and set them in the temple, five on the right side and five on the left. And so in Moses' tabernacle, we know that there was only one lampstand. And so here there's ten of them. There's five on one side of the temple and five on the other. And we know that um, it speaks of the light of God and it gave illumination to the temple as the priests worked. So the place was lit up. So rather than one, there was ten of them. And it, again, it speaks of of God being the light. <clears throat> and this is where I jumped ahead and spoke about Jesus uh, being the light of the world and, and that kind of thing. But it is a picture of Jesus being the light of the world. He says in, uh, in John 8, verse 12, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And so he is the light of the world, right? And those of us who believe in him, those of us who follow him shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And like I said, Jesus is the word made flesh. It says that in John 1:14, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And so he is our light. The lampstand, it symbolizes that God is our, our light and Jesus is our light. And the way, he ref, the way he illuminates his light to a believer is through his word. He is the word. Jesus is the word. So when you study the word, when you embrace the word, he illuminates your life. He gives you understanding. He gives you knowledge. He gives you discernment. He guides you basically through the light of his word. Who is the word? Jesus is the word. And so um, we are told in various places concerning the word uh, also, uh, you know, illuminating. In Psalm 19, verse 8, it says, the, con the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes, right? Uh, Psalm 119, verse 105, it says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And so, um, and then there's a story that, that uh, when Jesus was going to go raise Lazarus and the disciples responded to him when he said, we're going to Judea. Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you and are you going there again? And Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of the world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. And so Jesus is our light. And if we walk in him, we will have illumination. Amen? You can cut that earlier part off, brother. Which is a blessing that we can do. <laughs> well, there's ten lampstands versus one, right? So I'm thinking, and the word is, yeah, referred to as water. And it's referred to as light. Right? And so there, there's the mix-up for Wednesday night. Anyways. We get illumination from his word. He's our light. You know, the cool thing about being a Christian is that in Christ, we know where we're going. 
we know where we're at right now. We know what he wants to do in our lives right now. And, um, you know, I, it's the beautiful thing about the Bible. It's the beautiful thing about his word. Whenever you need direction, whenever you don't know what's going on, you can find it through Christ. He is your light. He illuminates you. He gives you discernment. So um, seek his word. And then Jesus turns around in Matthew 5, verse 14 through 16, and he says not only that he's the light, but then he turns around and he puts it on us that we're the light, right? And so speaking of the lampstands and thinking about that, that illumination there in the temple isn't just that God is light, but then he turns around and says, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, uh, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And so the more time that we spend with the Lord is basically the more light that we're going to be able to shine in this world. And the less time we spend with the Lord, the less light. How bright is your light? How good are your eyes in a spiritual sense? He said, if you have good eyes, the whole body will be filled with light. How good are your eyes? Are they on the Lord? Are you in his word? Are you in prayer? Are you letting his words of life really illuminate you? If so, when you leave his presence in your devotions, you're going to be a light that people see. And they're going to want some of that. They're going to want what you have. And you can share Christ with them. In verse 8, we, we have uh, the showbread. It says, He also made ten tables and placed them in the temple, five on the right side and five on the left, and he made 100 uh, bowls of gold. And so these tables, these 10 tables, were 10 tables where the showbread uh, would be placed upon. Now the showbread in Moses' tabernacle, again, it was one table with 12 loaves. One table, 12 loaves. Now it's 12, ta uh, 10 tables, I should say 10 tables, with 12 loaves apiece for the 12 tribes of Israel. But also foreshadowing that Jesus Christ is the true sustenance to a person's life. Jesus um, would say in John 6.35, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. And he who believes in me shall never thirst. Nothing in this world can give... Oh, I'm reading my notes, but... <laughs> yeah, it's all right. It's way all right. Okay. John six thirty five. right? I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. We shall never hunger. We shall never thirst. You know, in Christ, there's the promise of contentment. It's a contentment deep down in the heart that the world has no idea how to get it. The world can try. The world tries. They do try to fill that gap in their heart. They never do. All that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life, it's all passing away. There's nothing that the world can, can find in this world that will give them contentment or satisfaction. Only Jesus can do that. He's the bread of life. 
The showbread in the temple, it foreshadowed what only God can provide. Because he, he, he made us, so he knows how to make us feel fulfilled. And the Bible says that godliness plus contentment is great gain. You know, I'm uneasy at times. I'm unsatisfied at times. I'm anxious at times. And I know it's time for me to spend more time with the Lord. If I go to the bread of life and I draw close to him, man, he gives me a supernatural contentment and peace and joy. And it's found only in him, not in stuff, not in people, not in relationships. It's found in him. And, you know, nothing else can work. I've tried it. You've tried it. Nothing else can work in this world to give you that contentment, that peace. Nothing. You know, I'm reminded of the woman at the well in John 4. He said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. I mean, that's a beautiful promise. And a beautiful truth from the Lord. He's the bread. He's what makes us content. Nothing else will work. You will thirst again, he told that woman. You will thirst again. But if she was to come to Christ, she would never thirst again. There's a contentment. And you know, the thing about this life is that there's no one. You may be blessed with the wife and kids or husband and kids you may be around a lot of people who love you with all of their heart but they'll never be enough they'll never fill the emptiness that only god can can fill i love my children i love my wife they're a good second to the lord but but it's like the psalmist wrote who do i have in on earth and who do i have in heaven like, I have no one but you. And who, I don't think the psalmist was, you know, necessarily didn't have people who loved him. But in, God's the only one who can give us that sustenance, that peace, that contentment, where we're not hungry and we're not thirsty. So if you're single and you think, oh, it's all about a spouse, or, you know, it's all about having kids, or it's all about this, those things are nice. But God is where we find contentment and sustenance. He is our bread. He is. I, I've been laying in bed throughout my marriage at various times. Just felt like the loneliest man on the planet. And I'm with my best friend. Because she wasn't made to fill that gap. Nobody. Nobody but God can. Does that make sense? He's the bread of life. that proverbs uh, 19 verse 23 it says the fear of the lord leads to life and he who has it will abide in satisfaction he will not be visited with evil i mean if we are fully content in the lord then we can't be manipulated into biting on something a allure or a temptation um, that will draw us away from God. 
And I think that, you know, walking from a place of contentment is a strong, strong position. And if a single person, that's the best thing that you can do if you're single, is to know that your, your self-worth, your com- contentment, your completion is in Christ. Then you're ready for a spouse. You see what I'm saying? Then you're ready. Then you're ready for that job that you want, the promotion. Then you're ready for whatever. Because it's from a place of, he's my bread, you'll never be my bread, he's my bread. And people get married, I thought she was my bread, I thought he was my drink. And then after a year, they're just, because both have lost sight that it's only God that is your bread. Anyhow, uh, furthermore, he made the court of the priests and the great court and doors for the court, and he overlaid these doors with bronze. And he set the sea on the right side toward the southeast. And so there was other courts with walls and sections that were sectioned off that were only priests can go. And that's what this speaks to. Then Haram made the pots and the shovels and the bowls. So Haram finished doing the work that he was to do for King Solomon for the house of God. The two pillars and the bowl-shaped capitals that were on top of the two pillars, the two networks covering the two bowl-shaped capitals, which were on top of the pillars. Uh, And so 400 uh, pomegranates, Uh, for the two networks, two rows of pomegranates for each network to cover the two bowl-shaped capitals that were on on the pillars. He also made carts and lavers, uh, and the lavers on the carts, uh, one sea and twelve oxen under it, also the pots, the shovels, the forks, and all other articles. Haram, his master craftsman, made a burnished bronze for King Solomon, for the house of the Lord. And so Haram, as you know, was the Phoenician, half-Jewish, um, um, skilled you know, artisan, that, artisan that came and, and uh, you know, uh, did all these things unto the Lord very well, and he finished his job. In the plain of Jordan, the king had them cast in clay molds between Sukkoth and Zeradah, And Solomon had all these articles made in such great abundance that the weight of the bronze was not determined. So so there in the plain of Jordan, there was so much bronze that was there uh, that was being used, more than could be counted. And, you know, one commentator had an interesting take on that. He said, well, bronze being the, the metal of judgment, and who knows how much judgment the Lord took upon him on the cross, right? No, nobody knows of the sins of the world, how much that was. Thus Solomon had all the furnishings made for the house of God, the altar of gold and the tables on which was the showbread, the lampstands with their lamps of pure gold to burn in the prescribed manner in front of the inner sanctuary with the flowers and the lamps and the wicker trimmers of gold of the wick trimmers of gold, of purest gold, the trimmers, the bowls, the ladles, and the censers of pure gold, as for the entry of the sanctuary, its inner doors to the most holy place, and the doors of the main hall of the temple were gold. Let's pray. And so, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you um, that it teaches us so much about you, Jesus, and 
And Lord, we just pray that um, we would be uh, uh, the light of the world as you have called us to. Lord, you are our light, and then you call us to shine. So help us as a church to shine, Lord. Help us to spend that time with you, allowing you to wash us and bathe us with your word as we go about our days, Lord, our long days and long nights. And and just refresh us, Lord, with your Holy Spirit. It is your spirit by which we uh, receive power for today. So Lord, bless every heart here. And may tomorrow we wake up refreshed and in the spirit. In Jesus' name we pray and together we say... Amen. Please stand. Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio. If you're in the area, come on out and join us for Sunday services at 8.30 a.m. and at 10.30 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. We are located at 3035 West Nicollet Street in Banning, California. You can also find us on YouTube or Instagram. If you'd like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweethills.org and hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel Sweet Hills.